Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of death, the show of introspection. I was thinking about my relationship with Tomas Estes, and he passed, as we all know and have felt, in April of this year. And I have spent time reflecting on this, and he keeps coming up in my conversations. You know, I was out. On Friday night with a good friend and he came up and it feels like everybody's got a great story about Tomas and to be in the room with him to feel loved by him the man didn't judge anybody or anything and I wanted to share this conversation he and I had I released it some time ago for two reasons one he will always be remembered and if you never had the chance to meet him and be in his energy in his light this conversation is exactly what it's like to be there in the moment with Tomas it's important that he lives on in this way of course the love he gave us all we extend it forward and that's another way in which he will remain in our hearts and in our lives but this interview is from a few years back as I mentioned during the San Antonio Cocktail Conference and there's an upstairs area where they do little events and things sometimes do brunch but the day it was a Sunday afternoon it was quite sunny out but for whatever reason this room was filled with this sultry jazz like club darkness and Tomas sat at this table with me and we talked for about an hour and you're gonna hear the resulting conversation but it's timeless, he's timeless, and it was such a pleasure to get to know him. The last time that I saw Tomas, he was here in Austin with Judah Cooper. It was the first time those two had actually toured, if you will, been doing tastings together as part of the Samson and Surrey family. And yet again, Tomas comes over and kisses me on the cheek as he does, you know, very European kind of guy, but he saw me he looked at me but he saw who i was and he knew me and we spent some great time together over the years but i mentioned all of this because this has impacted me profoundly not just the loss of tomas but the love of our community of agave tequila mezcal hell even whiskey to some extent and it's not about mortality when i when i think about tomas and the legacy he's left. I think about myself and I think about maybe I've affected people too. I try not to be too self-aware about it, to be honest, but it keeps turning up, feeling appreciated, feeling other people's passion towards your work or towards your passion. And because of Tomas, there are many people in our lives, some close, some far, but some very, very close. And I've started to tell people how much I appreciate them. The people that have been there for me, 
the people that continue to be engaged in my life. And I always want them to know because if I pass suddenly, if I pass at an old age, all the same, I don't ever want people not to know how I felt. And Tomas never left anyone doubting how he felt about them. And it's a practice I've been employing in the past few months with my closest of mates. And I ask you out there, if you're listening and you care and you want to be vulnerable and can be vulnerable or wanting to try to at least be a tinge vulnerable, let people know that you appreciate them before it's too late. This isn't a negative sentiment. It's pure optimism, as you'll find throughout our conversation today with Tomas Estes. So without further ado, with a heavy and light heart, all the same, hope you enjoy this conversation with Tomas Estes. these changes that I'm affecting in my life? Yeah. Hard to say. I would say it's easier. But when I travel, like on this very trip, mm. it's always something that I have made up. It's always something that I've created. So it's not someone else telling me, Tomas, you have to go, or you get to go, but right. in, in a way it would be you have to go to San Antonio. Um, I'm going to be on the road since about four days ago I started. It'll be 100 days Jeez. on the road. But it's, and, and it's all things that I've put together. Yeah. So it's all things that um, I'm looking forward to. They're all things that I've made up. They're all things that I'm inviting and wanting to do. Is this the Asia trip you were talking about? Yes, part uh, five weeks is of that hundred days are spent in Asia. That's incredible. Which any specific spots you're looking to? Check Absolutely, out? we start in Singapore, then go to Hong Kong, then go to China. Wow. China will be a week, and I haven't. I've been on Ocho promotions in Singapore and Hong Kong but not in China. Interesting. And so this could be a very, very good market for us. Yeah. China. Then we go to Thailand, Malaysia, Cambodia, Vietnam, and the Philippine Islands. Some of those countries I've not been to at all. I think it's going to be pretty not. I mean, totally and, new experience. You know? And I'll be with son Jesse, oh. who we, we travel very well together. Yeah. And he helps a lot with things logistics like uber or yeah, yeah. where is this or where or, or a gps mm -hmm. which is a is a great help for me and plus he shares the presentation okay. which is sometimes half and half sometimes he more sometimes me more so that gives me the feeling of latitude that i can again choose how much i want to do or not yeah, it's nice to have the flexibility. And I think you're at a point where you've done so much. It's not so bad to have help from your son, you know? Do you see... How old is Jesse now? 
28? 28. How old are you? I'm 30. You're going to be turning 37. So, yeah. It's old, right? It's <laughs> surprising, because, surprising because you, you keep your youth so well. Not I, only your looks, but your <laughs> spirit, your boyish-like enthusiasm. You, it's, this is the greatest part about this, Tomas, is that Ladia's... She's looking at you and saying, "You're right, Tomas." <laughs> that's what she's. It's not my boyish looks. It's just that boyish, troublemaker kind of spirit. You know, nothing that would hurt anybody. But I don't mind playing a prank now and again. Doesn't hurt anybody and doesn't hurt you, yeah. and it serves you well. All in good fun. Do you see? As you kind of maybe, maybe you want to write more in the future. Maybe you want to take some time in nature more. Do you see your son kind of stepping more into the forefront of Tequila Ocho? He he already has in his own way. Mm. Before we sold those two bars and restaurants in October, he was working probably 50 or 40% of his time behind the bar there. Oh, okay. So already he has filled in much more with Ocho. Yeah. And... Yes, I want to continue writing. I just finished an article on a bar from Cyprus called Lost and Found. Cyprus, wow. Have you heard of Lost and Found? No, tell me a bit about it. Do you know the 50 best bars in Uh the world? Absolutely. Sort of uh, nonsense. (laughs) I'm one of the judges and I still find it... Arbitrary? How about that? Subjective. Subjective, okay. Extremely okay. subjective. As, as all lists are, you know. Even though I have to say I'm grateful that they do... They, once the 50 best bars are established, mm. then they, the same magazine, Drinks International, goes back and polls the bars uh, on various things. Right, right. And Tequila Ocho got number one in the tequila category of trending and I, I what does that mean I don't, yeah i don't know and number two of selling top selling out of all of the choices number one was don julio mm. and then of favorite products of any category ocho was number four oh that's behind great. tanqueray delma gay and one other one but it wasn't a tequila, so yeah. it was the top tequila. That's amazing. So, back to Lost and Found, <clears throat> I was there with my son Jesse, Alba Huerta, mm-hmm. and my nephew James, James Estes. I don't know if you either of you know James. No, I haven't met James. He's in the bar community. And so we visited there. I did an interview with the owner, Dinos, and just finished my article and I've sent it to Clint Kaywood. I don't know if you guys know Clint no, Clinton exactly. of Imbibe Magazine oh, UK. Great. So that will be coming out. So I'm still I I love the I love to gather things to write and write because it gets me into the mentality of the journalist, the investigative journalist. Mm-hmm. Which you have, you have naturally. That's what you're doing now, I believe. I appreciate that. Well, I hope it's it's one of in, in, inquisition, of of questioning, of searching, mm-hmm. and then it's one of 
receiving that, processing it, mm -hmm. and then reporting on that yeah. from a point of view, and hopefully with style and verve and some some unique lens, right? And and hopefully yes, and hopefully in a stimulating way that yeah. the reader will be compelled through, and that it will be uh, nutritive and fun. Mm -hmm. So the answer is yes, and. Um, Ever since the book came out, my book, uh, The Tequila Ambassador, I've wanted to put out the original version. So I wrote a version that was changed by the editor. And what I want to do is bring out the first version, which was more personal, it was more stories. Gritty? Grittier? Are, which? Grittier, the original has more kind of grits, more uh, action, maybe? It's, it's more personal. Ah. So perhaps it is grittier, and it's less technical. Okay. Um, my publisher, Difford's Guides, wanted it more towards the bar community. I see. Especially about f temperatures of fermentation it's and that sort of thing. It's very technical. It's it, technical, and I think there's a place for that. Sure. But there was a place for the other more memoir type stuff, almost. Right? Indeed. Yeah. So some of that's still in there, but not to the degree that it was er, first written. Yeah. Do you like? Because I think about what twists and turns your life might have taken. Some of which I know, and some of which, of course, I don't know. And I wonder, do you think the perspective, if you pen, let's say, Tomas, we're going to start from ground zero, and you're going to have a memoir. Do you want someone? to act as kind of an autobiographer for you or or bi you know, a biographer for you or do you want to be the one that writes it single-handedly does that make sense it makes sense and the thing that comes to me immediately is that would depend on who yeah would be the the uh stimulator the person that plays off me yeah i believe i could do it on my own i'm sure however if it were someone like you i think it would be uh, a bigger someone like you who is uh, perceptive and inquisitive and has a uh, an original mind mm -hmm. and uh, I think you you could a person like you could lead me in uh, very stimulating places I think we we always write with our particular lens and sometimes that means not letting ourselves appear vulnerable, not letting ourselves appear like we're flawed, whereas, of course, all of us are very flawed. But you seem to be someone that is very transparent and that has never been one to tout their strengths over their weaknesses. Can I share with you what I'm studying, what I'm yes, learning yeah. and practicing? That is to be as conscious, aware, mindful, mm -hmm. present as I can instead of living my life automatically or uh, with knee-jerk yeah. emotional responses that are programmed like, like your computer right. into me by other people. And I find that owning up to my own life Mm. taking full responsibility 
actually I take full responsibility for everything that happens to me. Yeah. Sometimes I can't put together how it is my responsibility. Sure. Some things are dead easy. <laughs> I step yeah. in the street and I get run over. That's my easy. responsibility. Yeah, sure. Other things are a little more subtle, much more subtle. So I want to share this with you because you ask an earnest question and I feel you're an open person, very, very open and receptive. When I take responsibility for something, it gives me more power. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Can you understand? You can see that. You can feel it, can't sure. you? And if I shirk the responsibility, you lose. it takes. Yeah. And I am interested in having my own personal power. Yeah. I don't, I'm not interested in power over either of you. Well, no, that's not true. No, here I am. <laughs> the duality. Here. I would yeah. like for you to like me. Yeah. I would like for you to want to be with me. I would like for you to, uh, all those positive things. Mm. And at the same time, I'm, I'm more and more seeking being whoever I am. Yeah. And I, and I, and I feel like I can be with you. Mm. I don't feel judgment on your part. And that's, that's scary. Yeah. Feeling like being around a judgmental person. It's like in a foreign language. Oh, right. If I'm trying to speak some foreign language and I feel somebody's judging me, man, I can't say one thing. Yeah. If I feel like there's somebody that just doesn't even care at all, I'm fluent. It's easy, right? Easier. There's a lot of interesting things happening in your life, but it, in the greater world, in the greater st United States, right? This is something I think, as I've talked to a lot of people, and there's been the transition of power in D.C., there's been a very interesting change in narrative that really, really parallels skirting responsibility. That's why it's a kind of a natural topic to transition into. How are you feeling about the United States, about people in general? Are you still optimistic about them, about us? Yes. I'm an incurable optimist. Yeah. Otherwise, I never would have done the things in my life that I've done mm. that were daring, crazy, or stupid. Yeah. Um, and with the United States, Mike, did we talk about the two poles? I don't think so. In, in my view, the two poles of life. I don't think so. On one extreme pole is pure love, mm -hmm. and on the other side of the stream is fear mm, that's right and then everything fits in between there in some degree or another in in my view i would say that the world mm. likely led by the united states is gripped more and more with fear sure it's so chilling that it reminds me of 1984 mm. which i never read up until about five years ago and i read it and i thought Oh my God, how could this man have seen this? Yeah. And, and it's so frightfully true now. Mm. So I feel like, I feel like the president-elect is filled with fear. Sure. I, it feels like he plays to fear. It's the same in France with uh, Marie Le Pen and her party. Mm -hmm. It's the same with... Uh, 
Holland with Gert Wilders mm. and his party. Brexit was an example of fear yeah. that the British left the United Kingdom. Uh, the, they left the uh, European Union. Yeah. And uh, so it's not isolated only to, to the United States. Sure. And to, to, to finish that, I think there are a lot of fearful people, and I think that they are being, being manipulated mm. by the system and by the powers, <laughs> a la 1984. Right. I mean, they stay in their place when they're fearful. When, when they're not... When fear creates conformity. It creates staying stuck. Right, because you're afraid of doing anything else. Love is diversity. Love is movement. It's open. Yeah. And political systems don't like that. They can't deal with it. So I still, I, I was in my teens and 20s during the 60s. The Cuban Revolution was over in 1959, if I'm not mistaken. We had segregation in this country up until 1961 or two or three. Right. Nobody really kind of can tell me when segregation was over. And the later 60s were, was filled with civil disobedience. It was filled with mostly uh, nonviolent. Right. And it was a wonderful time of change, of, of love, of these are generalities, of course. And um, I think that this is a perfect time to revisit that. And I, I get, uh, I'm in touch with, call them progressive organizations, mm -hmm. that seem to be aware of the urgency to stand up, to speak up, right. to stick together and to do what's in their hearts when you, when what you, is integrity. When you see people protesting uh, with signs, there's been a massive anti-Trump movement. Now, I don't know that that's so different than every election where someone who doesn't agree with that, the results will protest them, but do you think that the way in which we facilitate that now, this anti-Trump movement, is peaceful, that it is full of love, or is that rooted in the same hate that made Trump powerful in the first place. It's my sincere hope that it's not rooted in hate and fear. And it seems like during the primary, the Republican primaries, and then the presidential nomination, mm -hmm. the violence that Trump embodied, yeah. that he created, that he stimulated, I think that that was so visible, so palpable, that people saw that and were abhorred by it. Yeah. And, and so hopefully as a result, the, let's call them the anti-Trump, the non-Trump, the progressives, whatever name we right. give them, let, uh, I certainly hope that they will not go in the violent way. We'll see. 
I don't think it will be that way. I don't think it'll be a, a violent revolution. I think that that's actually the problem, probably, is that it'll be so subdued and so marginal, it just incremental. We'll just keep moving incrementally in a direction, and then we're like, oh shit, we're totally going the wrong way. How do we turn the boat around now? You know, it's, it's an interesting place, and does it feel new and unique? You've seen a lot of different eras of the United States, things like you mentioned, let's say the hippie movement, let's just call it that civil rights movement does this feel like a unique piece in time in history or is it i've seen this before because you've lived it to me i I take it as being more intense yeah more intense more powerful the the hate the fear movement and therefore more scary because the consequences can be dire to think that this man wants to increase nuclear armament mm-hmm. and that he he who makes very quick unfounded statements that I'm assuming are decisions of his is 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 ch- so childish yeah <laughs> that it's dangerous it's absolutely dangerous so those are the difference that I see in intensity mm-hmm. and possible annihilation yeah it's interesting that never felt possible, but maybe it does now. I don't know. It's a very interesting place to be. But let's focus on love then for a minute. It is one of the poles that kind of creates the parameters for life, I think. And you're right. Fear is kind of on that up opposite side, and you get a larger sense of that walking around the streets every day, which is interesting. A larger but, sense of what? Of, of fear. People being fear, kind of being st- almost paralyzed by fear you know what i mean Uh, career-wise creatively these kinds of things but to focus on love though this you've been married two times we talked about yes has love done by you the well has it done what it needed to do for you in that respect mike how do you find these wonderful wonderful (laughs) questions um so we know that the Greeks have four or five words or terms for love. <laughs> and what this, what I want to say with this is that I'm going to answer you with different versions sure. of love. Uh, agape is love that is given and asks nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Do you know Lakapia Bar in Tequila Town? I've never been there, but I've heard Did, of it. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. it? It it got to be number 19 at one point of the top 50 best bars, to go back to that illusion. Yeah, right. It's still my number one bar in the world, but it's dropped off the 50, which actually pisses me off and disappoints me. Yeah. But Don Javier... When I have asked him a number of times, what, what's going on here? Why do people come from all over the world on a pilgrimage to see this bar and to see you? And he said, it's respect. It's yeah. that I everybody's welcome here. I said, respect is love. And he said, it's not respect that you may be thinking of. It's the love. It's, the, it's not the love that you may be thinking of. Mm-hmm. It is... That asks nothing in return. Sure. So that's the love I'm speaking of. Now, the love I've been in 
into relationships starts out as an erotic romantic love that's another that's eros yeah eros okay another form of greek word of the same thing we say love Mm. for me those started off as uh this romantic lustful sexual cocktail (laughs) cocktail yeah that turned into dependency dependency is not love between between myself yes there cannot be dependency one way okay it has to be both ways I see, I see. the one that depends and the other one that facilitates the dependency Got it. and um taking full responsibility for my side of it mm. i did not keep my independence in those relationships right now i'm so glad that your wife's here with us <laughs> yeah because i'm not going to preach to you but that to me is of such an important part that each of you each of anybody in a couple mm. that you love one another in whatever ways you do and you're going to and check in on dependency mm. and how independent you remain especially for your own well your own sense of self worth right right your own self image the more that you can keep from depending on the other one right. for that validation or others except the other beloved so much more powerful mm. the more you can do that i would say the better life you'll have yeah do you ever think that uh, i've talked about the first marriage for example beyond the dependency that you speak of do you think that you were were you open to love and being loved in the same way that you are now after having lived probably much more of a life No. Mm. In the first marriage and the second marriage there was much more idealization. In which sense? Idealization of this story, this myth. Mm. Disney stories, textbook stuff, right? You meet someone and they will complete your life mm. and you will live happily ever after. It's 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 a myth of romantic love that is not true. I don't know anybody that has achieved that. Yeah. It's just not reality. So call me jaded, call me um burnt. Um I still very much believe in love of all this of all the forms of all the the um ways that it's expressed sure. and i think that that love creates wonderful things sure. i have four boys and i'm so it's amazing glad that i've got them mm. never changed that part of my fortune my life my 
I, um, unrolling of what I am and what I'm doing. Um, and I think I'm, 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 I'm much more genuine in relations now. Yeah. Because I don't have a big idea, a big fantasy that something unrealistic is going to happen in there. Right. I think I can be much more myself and encourage and allow the other person to be much more themselves. It's, I mean, that's a. Some of us, it takes us years to be able to get there, decades even. And do you think that each of those times where you. You became more more mature, right? So you go through heartbreak once, and then you emerge a different man or an enhanced man, and then the second time that happens again. So is it ever too late? Is it ever going to be too late for you to let someone in your life like that? No, we talk. You, I no, I don't believe it at all. Yeah. Um, you are using the word mature or maturity or maturing and um, there are other ways to describe that and that is becoming more aware Ah, becoming more conscious becoming more mindful Hmm. becoming more making um, decisions intentionally intention there's something else in my life that is my age, so being 71, mm-hmm. I'm losing my, uh, my libido, ah. my sexual drive. Right, right. And so that is radically different for me to be around women. How does it... How does that feel inside that your body's changing? It feels much more self-contained. It feels much more calm. I'm not looking for somebody else to express something that for me for most of my life was really a very strong drive. Yeah. A a strong drive to pair up with someone sexually Mm -hmm. or to even make a sexual sale. Ah, what is that? Yeah, what, what do you mean? A sexual by that? sale would mean meeting someone, mm-hmm. feeling like I sold myself to them, uh-huh. that I could, that I could have a sexual relationship with them. I see. Close Not, the deal. So just the deal. Yeah, yeah the deal. <laughs> That's a uh, an, an, an ego thing. Sure. That's a. That's a. Maybe that's what it really is for for men, you know. Is it's not about a true connection necessarily. No, it can be and it should be, but it's closing the deal, you know, sealing the deal. But is it? Does that give you a sense of relief? Maybe now that oh. your your main focus perhaps is purely maybe cerebral now that it's more emotional. My it is a big relief, and my focus now is much more on myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for a exterior relationship. I'm looking for my interior yeah. relationship. As you really come into the self-actualization phase, right, which is kind of 
Mm, uh, that's, a, that's a term yeah. that I will be very honest with both of you. I, I would aspire to that. Yeah. But to think that I could achieve it is something that I would not pretend. Yeah. The way in which you at least evolve in that sense. What kinds of things help you be... In other words, I think about religion for some people. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's the mechanism which allows them to expand their mind. Alcohol, not imbibing, but understanding the terroir and the plants of this thing that's very, very romantic and passionate. Has it been different things for you at different points that expand your mind? Or has there been kind of a central theme, Buddhism, for example, that just helps you evolve? Somewhere way back in my late teens or early 20s, I fastened on the philosophy, perhaps it's even more than philosophy, the reason to live of making the most of myself that I could. Yeah, That's why I went to Amsterdam after being a teacher for seven years. I had a wonderful life, very secure. But I went to Amsterdam to learn about myself, to have new challenges. Mm. And that's why I went from Amsterdam to London, to Paris, to Cologne, to Milan, to Sydney, Australia. I just kept jumping around. And that's why I joined in on uh, a tequila brand. Yeah. To give myself challenges to see what I could find out about myself. Yeah. And I'm still doing that and still growing and developing. Yeah. Does it ever become hard or do you wrestle with the fact that you got to keep moving? Some people are content with staying in the same place it, it happens in phases for me mm. I I will challenge myself a lot and then I'll burn out yeah and I'll and I'll 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 have gone too far yeah and then I rest up I pamper myself mm-hmm. I eat well I sli- I rest I exercise recharge I recharge yeah. So it's, it's a cyclical thing for me. Hmm. And I have not been one that has gained much from religion. Yeah. It's my own personal belief that religion is more fear-based than love-based oh. as a generality. Spirituality yeah. is something different. See, I would call Buddhism spiritual and not religious. I would agree, yeah. And um, to seek... inside myself for salvation or stimulation or that mm. is, is something that I've enjoyed. I take solace with, but not religion so much. It's a little too standardized. You know, it's like saying, here's the universe of unlimited possibilities and infinite outcomes. But here's a book that tells you how exactly they're going to come out. That seems somewhat naive to me to think that we as people can begin to understand the vastness of everything that exists. But spirituality says the opposite, I think. And at least this is my interpretation. I mean, you tell me what you think. But it's connection to everything in all its vastness. Religions, in my understanding of them, say, follow me. Mm. And spirituality says, follow yourself. Ah, to me, that's a giant difference. Absolutely is. 
so many many different phases I, you know this is the thing Tomas is like what do you, you know what do what do I everything about you is is interesting you, thank you that's very kind of you Mike it, I well, find the true. same well I appreciate the, that the what you see in me is a mirror of yourself I believe I think that that may be true I think in this case it absolutely is true but I think maybe that's that happens a lot with people is that maybe we it does for people that are aware yeah is there it feels like this this era this this phase or this chapter let's let's put it that way because let's think of your life as a book in a sense right okay this chapter seems very very open very peaceful very optimistic very dedicated to agave but there have been dark chapters for you I've done things that have been trials that I'm I'm not proud of but I went through them and I've learned and I maybe I got some meanness I got uh, some of my shadow side out of me maybe hopefully I've you expelled the darkness exercised it, exercised, hopefully yeah. expelled it, hopefully. And that you know, this is—it's funny that I've—I've I've actually never been in the room when you said this, uh, but you've been arrested multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> How I many? A, I was a juvenile delinquent. Yeah. I've been arrested five times. Nothing serious. Yeah. I've broken into place. I've stolen cars. I've uh, street fights. Are you and a tough, tough guy? You seem so peaceful and zen-like that you wouldn't let somebody get a rise out of you like that, at least in the form that I've met. There was that time when I had something to prove to myself. That was, in fact, most of that juvenile delinquency was prior to me being a wrestler. Oh. So as soon as I became a wrestler, two years in high school and four years in university, mm. I learned a lot about myself. I learned how tough and how not tough I was. I didn't have much to prove after that. I think that's a healthy way to get it out there and exercise it, as you said. It it was for me. It worked for me. Talk about exorcising. Exorcising, yeah. Yeah. When you had this conversation uh, with another masterful guy in the whiskey industry recently, and he's... teacher as well at the University of Glasgow and then he worked uh, for Diageo for many years now and something that I really wanted to know from him because I love British music and we talked about bands so we talked about the clash you've seen the clash the buzzcocks the jam can you just to nerd out for music for a second you what is one of the most memorable shows that you've seen in your life Frank Zappa in Rotterdam in Rot what year are we talking that's how good it was. Seventy. <laughs> I don't remember early seventies or oh, late sixties. Wow. Describe that that room. Oh, me. it was a big hall. Yeah. And um, everything that Frank Zappa represented to me was part of my life in Holland. Mm. The countercultural, the do your own thing, yeah. uh, original, daring, dangerous. That was Zappa. I had a lot of respect for him. 
He always did what he, marching to the beat of his own drum. Absolutely. Always. And had a very influential life on others. Absolutely. Positive way, too. Really, he seemed like a really cool guy. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? No, unfortunately not. I would have so appreciated that. Being in the liquor industry, it's an interesting parallel. It kind of runs adjacent to celebrity in a way. I don't know if you've ever noticed that a lot of celebrities and personalities in the media really, really love brands. They love to drink brands. Mm -hmm. In your kind of career now in the liquor industry, have you got to meet any of your particular idols, any of your particular influences? In the liquor? We can expand that out to the whole restaurant industry as well. I have in the restaurant son jesse had a fun experience in Cannes with selma hayek she she released a movie on kahil gabron's the prophet Mm -hmm. and the prophet kahil gabron is from somewhere sufi land Mm. and i believe that's uh part of at least part or all of uh selma hayek's background as well oh okay and she wanted ocho to be at the opening of her film at um at um can so jesse my son went down there and did the party for her oh that's so great and it was so fun i loved it because she was calling him on his cell phone to arrange it and it, it's very flattering. I have to be open to being a groupie. It's very flattering <laughs> yeah. that she pays attention and likes our tequila. Mm. And then there is actually a video clip of Jane Fonda being on Mexican television saying that her favorite tequila is Ocho. Oh, that's got to be profound for so you. So those things are is very gratifying. Yeah. But I mean, of course, never... One of the focuses, but it's always nice to know that someone that you look up to. I mean, Jane Fonda being a massive part of that movement. If we talk about civil disobedience. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Man, it's an amazing thing. So you've lived a very illustrious career, and I think you've had an effect on a lot of people. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Absolutely. And I, th- I think we both know that what you've done to shed a light on tequila production and how earnest you've been about it in transparent is it's an inspirational thing so as a as, as one of the things that has happened in this massive career this massive lifetime thus far what what do you hope to leave as kind of a legacy for people if i can leave a legacy of some of the words that you've been playing on that you've concentrated on if i can leave a legacy of love people in mindful Mm -hmm. choices of choosing love rather than fear and we can all do it and sometimes we may stay back there in the fear and move on this decision a little towards love and the next one becomes easier so if if I could have an influence on people choosing love Mm -hmm. which is in, in all of its ramifications transparency authenticity um, honesty, 
yeah. all the things that go with love, that would be very, very gratifying to me. Mm. That'd be enough. It would be more, way more than enough. It's amazing. All right, so are there some next? I know that there's expansion with Docho. You guys will have, of course, another vintage come out every year, which is an amazing thing. It's so fun to have that. That's to so me, cool. that's yeah. love. Conformity and commercialism is fear. Yeah. And diversity and nonconformity is love. So every time a new one of these comes out, we encourage it to be whatever it's going to be. Yeah. And so that's like this creative. Love is creative. Mm-hmm. Fear is destructive. So, yeah, it's, it's so... I, I could say it seems like an accident that this happened, but probably it's no accident. Serendipity, yeah. I think it's something that I've been blessed with. And done a, an amazing job of sharing with people, you know. Access is actually really a key thing here to be able what, to... What is? Access, you know. Access. So, yeah, in the sense that you are a conduit to this beautiful plant, this beautiful land, and Carlos and you have worked together to make some just delicious, delicious tequila. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for bringing that to, <laughs> to everybody. This is going to be a hard question. This is be my last question for you. And I hope... I think it was Roosevelt who had the fireside chats but way back in the day in which he would talk about a topic and people would listen on the radio. And this is kind of what I really enjoy about chatting with you is I hope we could do these in installments and maybe it becomes something even larger than what it is. But I, I take great pleasure with talking with you. Thank likewise, you. Likewise, it's really, really a pleasure, Tomas. So this is going to be a hard one. You are... Why are you saying that? Because I think you... You probably have met many of the people that might be uh, eligible f- to answer this oh, question. Okay. You are drinking your favorite tequila at your favorite bar in the world. And you can sit and have a drink and conversation with anybody living or deceased. Who might that person be? What am I drinking? Where am I? And who is it with? Well, more about who, but sure. Okay, the who would be Muhammad Ali. Oh, man, really? Oh, yeah. You never had... I figured you guys maybe could have been contemporaries at one point. You know? We are contemporaries. He's a little bit older than me, and I... He's a man that I respect as an athlete, so I'm a wrestler. Yeah. He's a boxer. Not much difference in... Well, there's a difference, but a lot of similarities. Sure. He is a man that exhibited incredible courage yeah. in standing up for first of all in forming his own ideas I'm, I'm sure the nation of Islam had a lot of influence by the way if he would be joined by Malcolm X yeah. I would be double, more than doubly pleased um, he had his he was an original man mm-hmm. and I believe and so courageous he stood up to the United States government and said I'm not going to go into your army and fight your war yeah. it, it, it captured and took away his best years as an athlete mm-hmm. and he did it he stood up for that he's a man with integrity, courage all the things that I admire and would aspire 
And I believe through it all, he's had this sense of humor, yeah. this gentleness, Lightness this boyishness, sure. and this love. I think, I think Muhammad Ali was all about love. Mm. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But he's a perfect hero for me. Yeah, it's amazing. I think that's a lovely answer and inspires me to go back and watch some of those fights, the rumble in the jungle, right? Part one, and the part lead, two. And the lead up to him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tomas, again, it's been a pleasure this is the second time. And perhaps we can dive into even more here soon enough. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks Thank so much you, for Mike. sitting with me. Thank you. Safe travels, yeah? I love you. Likewise, Tomas. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for doing this. So there we have it, you know, that's what it's like being in a room with Tomas. That's what it's like having a conversation with him. There is no filter. There is no hat. It is pure love, creativity, and the man amassed so many experiences. It just bled through his conversation, the way in which he talked, how articulate, his mastery of vocabulary. It, it, it really, it's just incredible and it's so impactful and i hope for those of us who knew him we can listen back at this and say man what i wouldn't give for just one more conversation with tomas and i know i ask everybody the questions you know who would you drink with living or deceased i would give just about anything to have another sip of tequila with tomas talk about one more band talk about one more artist talk about love one more time so thank you for listening to show to v with mike g this is celebratory it's not somber i mean i I, i'm getting a little teary-eyed here but that's okay that's what this is about impact and being there for each other and leaving a really really wonderful mark in the people's lives of which you come in contact with. So I'm going to leave it there. And let's keep drinking. And let's keep dancing. Keep dancing.